Amen. Thank you, Brother Skeeter, Dustin, everybody. Well, how y'all doing tonight? I'm starting to feel a little guilty and tell y'all a little story. Brother Dennis is generous to offer me this pulpit quite often. But here lately, if you've noticed, I've been up here a good bit. And there might be something behind that. You see, at our church, we are in the process of going through a transition from our family, from our sanctuary into our family life center. And it was quite costly, and we had a pledge drive. And so I pledged, and I said, Lord, I know this is a little higher than I think I can make, but Lord, whatever extra preaching you give me, I'll use that money to put into this. Since then, Brother Dennis has had the crud, and I preached. <laughs> he did get to go preach awesomely at Las Vegas, but then today, he's home. You may have not heard, but he had a root canal. So I don't know if the Lord's doing that for whatever reason, but... He'll probably hear about this and tell me to quit praying like that. Amen? <laughs> but all kidding aside, I am grateful for every time God offers me an opportunity to preach here. Y'all are like a second church family to us. As a matter of fact, February 15th will be three years we've been here. Today is actually the day we signed on our house last year. And it's amazing what God has done in these short three years. Been part of that is that we have two church families. The one I pastor and the one I get to come here and hang out with you guys and y'all are dear to us. And so it's like preaching the family tonight. So I'm glad to be here with you. I want to talk to us. How many of you had a good year last year? How many of you had a bad year? You don't have to tell me. But you know whatever your year was, you may not think about this, but a lot to do with what kind of year you had had to do with what kind of choices and decisions you make. And I want us to look tonight, if you got your Bible, to turn with me first. We're going to look over in 2 Peter. We're going to read a verse, and then we're going to preach out of Genesis, starting in chapter 13, looking at the life of Lot. And I want you to think about this today. If I hadn't read it in the New Testament, after what I had seen in the Old Testament, having looked at the testimony, the witness, the life that Lot lived, I'd have a hard time believing Lot was a righteous man. I don't know how familiar you are with Lot. But Lot was given a great privilege to be the nephew of Abraham, the father of our faith, is what, Rome, what Paul called him in the book of Romans. And God allowed him to go with Abraham, who had been introduced to the true God, was in a covenant relationship with God, and worshipped him. Yet, he wasted all of that opportunity potential by making decisions that brought havoc into his life and family. And I want you to look here what the Bible says about him before we go look at him tonight in his actual life. But if you look with me in 2 Peter, we're going to read this and then we're going to pray and then we're going to dig into Genesis. But it says in verse 4, and this is something we forget. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment... And he did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah. And we know everyone else perished. One of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now when we think of that, we think of an ungodliness. And it says, into ashes. Condemned them to destruction. Making them example to those who afterward would live ungodly. And then I want you to look at this in verse 7. And he delivered righteous Lot. I want you to notice that. He delivered righteous Lot. Who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that, here it is again, righteous man. 
dwelling among them. Against who? The wicked of Sodom and Gomorrah. He chose to live there. Dwelling among them, tormented in his, here it is, righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Father in heaven, as we look tonight, we want to thank you for the year we've had. We look forward to the year that you have prepared for us. Help us to realize that it is by obedience, trust, and just following you that we can receive all the great blessings of life that you have in store for us. So Lord, tonight help us learn from Lot that the decisions we make have consequences. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you look here with me, the Bible says that people, if you look at it, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. Proverbs 19.3 in the King James Version says, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. If we act foolish, the, the New American Standard says it this way, The foolishness of man ruins his life, and his heart rages against the Lord. Friends, listen, Lot may have been righteous, and you're going to see this, but he was foolish and he wasn't wise in decisions he made. Lot was a saved man, but he was also carnal and not very spiritual. Lot was a, what we would probably call a good man. He was way better than anybody else in Sodom, but his foolish decisions got him in a lot of trouble. You see, Lot had a history when you look at what we're going to look at. If you want to turn with me to Genesis 13 while I'm talking, where we're going to preach from. Lot had a history of making poor choices that God was continually having to help him out of. And guys, if you think about it, the Bible is clear. Moses told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Every choice we make has a consequence. Everything we do, every time we choose a direction, it leads us either into life or death. It leads us into blessings or cursing. Joshua told them this. He says, I call heaven and earth as witness today. And I mean, Joshua said, as it seems evil to do you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've got to make a choice to serve the Lord. You've got to make a choice to choose life. You've got to make a choice to, things, to choose the things of God that bless your life. Because if you make bad choices, those bad choices will curse your life. And if there was ever a man in the Bible who had opportunity to make wise, godly choices that would bring blessing and bring prosperous things into his life, it was Lot. I want you to look at what it says about Lot. Lot was privileged to be the nephew to Abraham. And Abraham chose his brother's son, Lot, to go with him on this journey of faith that God called him out of as he introduced himself to Abraham, showed him who he was, the true God, and brought Abraham out. Abraham wasn't perfect, but Abraham was a man who lived by faith, who was a righteous man. If you look with me in chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Lot was with Abraham. Now I want you to notice something very significant here. 
It says in verse 2, Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. God had prospered Abraham. God had blessed him. But listen, that's not the greatest thing that he blessed him with. He blessed him with the knowledge of knowing him. To the point that Abraham worshipped him. Abraham made an altar to him. Abraham knew the God of heaven and earth. To the point that he personally worshipped him. That's worth more than anything else that you'll find in life. And friends, listen to what it says in that next verse. And as he went on his journey from the south, as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. Guys, don't forget, Lot was there. I don't know about you, but I thank God I got a mama that loved Jesus, that prayed for me, that lived Christ in front of me, that told me I need the Lord, that lived out the Lord. Friends, I don't know about you, but thank God for people like Uncle Abraham who worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. They make a difference. Abraham was a significant blessing into Lot's life. And listen to what it says there. It says in verse 4, To the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And look at what it says. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Lot was with a man who knew the Lord personally. Look at what it says. Verse 5, Lot also went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now guys, listen to this. Because Abraham knew God and God had chose to bless Abraham, Lot was with him. Lot was getting the blessings also. They were blessed so much that their flocks outgrew the point to where they couldn't even maintain the land. And they had to find a way to figure it out because they began to fight. As they began to grumble with one another, one day Abraham, who was the older man, the godly man, he realized we don't need to fight, we're brethren. And he came up with a solution. And look at what he says in verse 8. So Abraham says to Lot, and this is the first time you get to see that Lot's got a heart that's not a heart of God. Because Abraham gave Lot the ability to choose wherever he wanted to go. And I want you to notice that. Look at verse 8. So Abram says to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will take the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And listen to this. Lot lifted his eyes and he saw all the plains of Jordan that it was well watered. That's good for your herd. Amen. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. He looked at it and he said, that's the better place to go if you're going to raise a herd. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. I don't know if you know this, but I studied. The right thing to do, the culturally thing to do, the respectful thing to do, the godly thing to do would have said, Uncle Lot, I mean Uncle Abraham, you go where you want to go. And I'll go wherever you don't. But he didn't do that. You see, he should have gave him the privilege to choose. He's the older man. He's the reason he's blessed. He's the only reason he's on this journey. But Lot thought about Lot, and he thought about what was best for Lot, and he could give a rip about the herds being fighting over. And so that's the first thing he did. And you know what? As he looked, the land might have looked good, and the world sometimes looks good. But there's things in the world that are not good. One thing that was in there was Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to think about this. We have to make choices every day. 
In fact, salvation is a choice. You can't get saved without God initiating the process. God has to call you. He has to convict you. He has to draw you. But sooner or later, you have to choose to accept and believe what he's trying to do. Listen, if salvation is believing Jesus enough to trust him, sooner or later, as God's making himself known to you, you've got to somehow call on the name of the Lord. You'll be saved. Amen? You've got to do something. But listen, not only is salvation something you have a part in, God initiates it. You've got to choose him. Sanctification is also. You're as sanctified today if you're saved if you want to be. Because listen to this. If salvation is believing Jesus enough to trust him, sanctification is trusting Jesus enough to follow him. And every day you've got to choose to follow Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Friends, if you ain't got the light of life, if your life ain't spiritual, if your life ain't being changed, if you're not being separated and set apart and made holy in the image of Christ, you're not following Jesus. And if you're saved, that's the most important thing you do. Follow him. Guys, listen. The life you're living is a result of decisions you've been making. Just like Lot, your life is the end result of your decisions. Every choice you make has a consequence. Now I want you to think about this. Lot chose to live in Sodom. Just like many Christians today, some of you possibly under the sound of my voice, choose to live worldly. You choose to live in ungodly places, participate in ungodly practices, and go and do ungodly things with ungodly people. And then you wonder why your life ain't the way it ought to be. When God has called you and gave you the birthright to be child of God through His Son, and He's paid for it with blood and redeemed you, your Redeemer lives. And he's calling you to follow him. And he's willing to lead you and show you the light. All you got to do is get in the word, pray, ask him to forgive you, repent, and he will help you. He will show you the way. You may have had the worst year you ever had last year. And if you get honest, and if you might be the main reason, just get right with God and next year could be your best. I promise you he can change it. But listen to this. First, Lot looked towards Sodom. Because look at what it says. Verse 11. Then Lot chose for himself the plain of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. He no longer has Abraham as an accountability partner. Uncle Abraham probably helped him out. You ever notice? Some people, they'll be doing something. And you'll go around and they say, oh, the preacher's here. <laughs> I've been to somebody's house before. And they'll have one of them big screen TVs going. And they got 188 channels. And they said, oh, preacher, let me turn that off. We don't do nothing but watch Fox and the news. But they got 188 channels. <laughs> Guys, you don't have to worry about Uncle Lot had more to worry about than Abraham. It was great that when Abraham was around him, he seemed to be doing good. But listen, the moment Uncle Abraham wasn't there to help him, look what happens. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot, verse 12, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and he pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. And look at what it says. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Why would someone who had had the influence of Abraham, the friend of God, one of the most godly men in the Bible who was privileged to be able to worship with him and call on the name of the Lord, had all the blessings of a herd that was prospering. He didn't need to go into that city. 
But in that city, something looked good. Something drew him there. And the world is the same way. When you look with the eyes and you let the lust of the flesh help cause your decision-making process, that's why you got to be led of the Spirit. And you got to let the Word of God and you got to let the Spirit of God be the one that directs you. Because the evil one is always out there trying to put something in front of you that looked good. Sodom and Gomorrah looked good. He moved in there with them. I want you to think about this. First lot looked towards Sodom. Then he moved towards Sodom. The next thing before long, he's living in Sodom. And by the end of his life, Sodom was living in Lot. And that's what the world does to us. You get out in the world, you hang out amongst the worldlings, and you live amongst the ones that aren't living for God. Very seldom do you affect them more than they affect you. Now, I'm here to tell you, I'm for witnessing. I'm for evangelism. I'm for going out in the name of Jesus. But I'm not for getting myself in a place where I'm so overwhelmed that I am going to be influenced instead of influencing them. And you got to have wisdom. Lot didn't have that wisdom. Lot thought he could handle it, I reckon. But I want you to think about this. Not only did Lot live in Sodom, Lot became one of the people of Sodom. I want you to turn with me right quick to chapter 19. Now in between here, if you read this later, there's a lot of stuff that went on that will add to this story. But I want you to look at this. By the time it gets to the place that God has heard about Sodom and Gomorrah to the point he's decided to wipe it off the face of the earth because he says it's that evil. Lot's been living there from what I can tell from my studies for 15 years. 15 years! And God comes to the place where he goes and tells Abraham that I'm going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And y'all know the story. Abraham said, would you judge it if you could find 50 righteous men? God said, if I can find 50 men. Abraham knew there wasn't 50 righteous men in that place. But he knew there was one righteous man in that place. His precious nephew Lot. And he pleaded and interceded as a mediator to God. If you can find one righteous man. Would you spare the city? And he said, if I can find one. And we look here, God's angels, his representatives are coming into Sodom. And look where Lot is sitting. It's significant. I'll explain it to you. Verse 1, chapter 19. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. They're coming to tell Lot, we're fixing to judge this city. And now the angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he, he, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself face toward the ground. So he recognized that they were representatives, that they were God. I don't know if he knew they were angels, but he knew they were from the Lord. Now I want you to see something. Lot was sitting at the gate. You say, why is that significant? Guys, listen, when you went to a city, a fortified city... The most important thing was going through the gate. They didn't let anybody in. They had people that sat there. They were the trusted people of the city that were the gate watchers. And when you went through there, you told them why you were there, where you were going. And the people that sat and kept the gate were the people that the whole city looked to as the leaders. Lot had become one of them that sat at the gate. When those men showed up, everyone's sitting there. Don't you think about this. Lot was right there with them. Lot's biggest problem shows in his first words to the city's depraved residents. Look what begins to happen here. 
Lot takes them into his care. He takes them into his home. All these men knew that because they were sitting at the gate together. Lot, he was right there with these men. Think about this. He called them his brothers. Look at what I'm going to show you. When they came to him, it says that they come to him and they asked to have them to, you know what, with, if you read the story, to have sexual relationships with men and men. That's why God was judging them in the first place. And they come to get these men. And I want you to see what it says in verse 5. And they called a lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us and we may know them cornerly. Now let your imagination go there. So Lot went to them through the doorway, shut the door behind them, and he says, Please, my brethren, do not do wickedly. Now I want you to think about this. The NIV words it this way. No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. The New Living Translation says, Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a thick, wicked thing. Now I want you to think about this. He called them his brothers. They were his friends, his running buddies. They were not only his neighbors, they were also the people he hung out with. That he sat at the gate with each day watching people. He'd become one of them. These were the people he interacted with socially as well as professionally. These were the men he would have sat with at the city gate laughing and talking day after day for 15 years. I want you to think about this. He's a righteous man. But guys, listen. This is the amazing thing. Lot was so distorted. He had allowed the influence of wicked Sodom to so just, you know, like it says, our conscience can be seared. Our heart can become dull. He had gotten so far from God that he was willing to trade his daughters to these men and to save them. Look at what he goes on and says. Look at verse 8. See now, I have two daughters. This is why I have a hard time seeing scripture say he's a righteous man. But this shows you what can happen when we put ourselves in a bad situation. Look, see now. I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they began to take him. The angels come out, and thank God, God shows up. And he saves Lot, pulls him back in the house. And listen to what the angels tell him in verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? son-in-laws, your daughters, your, your, and whomever you have in the city. Take them out of this place. Look at what they say in verse 13. For we will destroy this place before the outcry against them has grown great before the Lord, face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now I want you to think about this. Lot had sat there in that city for 15 years. He was a righteous man. Lot chose the men of Sodom over his family but listen to this his family who knew him best laughed at him when he tried to tell them about the Lord <laughs> they didn't even believe him listen to what happens it says in verse 14 so Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who had married his daughters so he had other daughters besides the two that escaped with him and he said go up get out of this place but the Lord's going to destroy the city this is the saddest thing in the whole story. But his son-in-laws seemed to think he was joking. They didn't even listen to him. Guys, when you live like the world, you're no different than the world, and you are just consumed with the world, your witness has no impact on those who watch you the most.
We got to be different. We, our decisions have to be decisions that honor the Lord, that lead us in the path of righteousness. Not that we're ever going to be perfectly righteous, but our life should reflect as light and salt. There should be evidence when people look at us, they recognize that we're a Christian. We don't have to tell them. And the people who ought to know it most is those who know us best, our families. They, they married him. And they laughed at him. They wouldn't go. Look at this. So Lot went out and spoke. Look at verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry. Lot was so consumed, he wouldn't even leave. I don't know about y'all. If they told me, we just come from God, we're fixing to destroy this place, y'all be in Greenwood by yourself, amen? I'd be getting out of Dodge. Thank you, Jesus, for the warning, brother. I'd be letting everybody know on the way out, you better come with me. It ain't looking good. But I'd be on the track. He wouldn't have to tell me but once. I'd say, which way out, brother? I'd be going. But Lot is so consumed with Sodom, he can't leave. And you know what I've noticed? When you let the world get you, and the world gets its roots in you, God's calling you, and you know that he wants you to repent, and he knows he wants you to turn back to Jesus. But have you ever been there, brothers and sisters? Sometimes it's hard to get loose of the world once the loose world has got hold of you. And friends, listen. Tonight, even in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, that is known as the ultimate place of judgment, even when Lot didn't deserve it, not that any of us ever deserves mercy, not that any of us ever deserves to be shown the way of salvation, grace. But listen, Lot lived there all that time. The Bible said he was a righteous man. Lot never had one convert, not even his own family. Listen to this. If Lot was saved and a righteous man, why couldn't God find another righteous man in Sodom? Where was his converts? Where were the people to whom he had witnessed to? The men who saw the strength of his faith and who would have wanted to be like him because he was different, because he had a relationship with God like Abraham. I want you to think about this. The answer is simple and sobering. There was none. After him living there for 15 years, sitting at the gate day after day with those men, he didn't influence one of them, but boy, they sure influenced him and his family. And I want you to think about this. He kept his faith to himself, and he grieved inwardly about the evil around him. And is that not what we do? We sure wish America was better. We sure wish America would turn back to God. It breaks my heart to watch Fox. Oh, my poor neighbors, if they only knew Jesus, but we ain't never told them. Yeah. I know it's sobering, yeah. but it's the reality. Yeah. And friends, Lot himself, who God had given the grace to know Abraham, the man he gave the covenant that would bring the Messiah, that would deliver the people of the Old Testament people of Israel. He allowed him to personally be there. Listen. Apparently, Lot never said a word about the lawless deeds of these fellow Sodomites that tormented his righteous soul day and night. He just sat there. But listen to this. This is the amazing thing. Lot still found mercy in Sodom. Dean, is that not amazing? Listen to this. Look at what it says in 19. Look at verse um, 16. He won't even leave. Y'all know what happened? His wife, she was so consumed with it. She looked back and what happened to her? She was turned to a pillar of salt. God literally had to drag them out. But look at what happens here. Look at verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry. 
saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city also. And while he lingered, the man took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him. After they got there, his wife looked back. Y'all know that part. Lot had made plenty of bad choices in his life. And that's why he found himself and his family in such a fix that we're looking at tonight. He pitched his tent near Sodom knowing the possible consequences. He became a friend to the world living in the midst of the perversion yet doing little to make an impact on the culture. Yet in spite of all this God saw something in Lot worth rescuing that I don't see. (laughs) When I read the story and I studied it out I look at Lot and it's easy for me to say why would God save Lot but you know what God said for the same reason I saved you (laughs) you ain't no better than Lot look at the grace you waste look at the opportunities you let go by you are nowhere where you should be you just ought to be thanking me that you're not where you used to be and you know what Lot in spite of all this God saw something in him worth rescuing. I don't see it. You may not see it. But God did. Something in Lot's heart touched the father and caused him to have compassion. And that's the whole point of the story tonight. You know what? You know what it was? He knew him. He knew him. Do you know Jesus tonight? I'm not here to condone a life like Lot. Lot paid a price. Do you know what Lot's legacy became? Unlike Uncle Abraham's great legacy, Lot's legacy is his daughters got him drunk so that they could have an insensuous relationship with him so that they could carry on the family name. They became the Moabites, which became one of the most evil enemies to the people of Israel, God's chosen covenant people in Moses' time. Now, friends, I don't know about y'all, Our decisions have an impact. Would you agree with me tonight? Our choices make a difference. The new year's coming, amen? The old year's passed. I would suggest turning to the Lord tonight. And for the things that you may have remorse for, that you may regret, for last year, make this special time of the year as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. That's what brings new life, amen? That's what gives second chances, Jesus And we start a new year. What a great time to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm stepping over this layer. I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to be that new man in Christ. Lord, forgive me of those bad decisions. Lord, give me wisdom. This year, I'm going to follow Jesus. That's the number one thing that will help you. And Lord, forgive me for where I didn't. Friends, listen. He saved Lot. He pulled him out of Sodom. So I don't know how bad your situation is, but how much better can it get than Sodom? And God came and personally rescued him and pulled him out. I don't know about y'all, but my situation was grim about 20-some years ago. In the middle of a divorce, the best thing ever happened to me outside of Jesus, my wife said, I love you, but I can't live with you. Everything that I knew of a family was gone. Could you ever fix it? No. But I met Jesus. And my wife met Jesus. And tonight we sit here with our son, and he knows Jesus, my stepson. His kids are here with us, and they have a different life than they had with us. I'm going to tell you, a marriage with Jesus and a marriage without Jesus is different 
as night and day. A family built upon the rock and foundation of Jesus, letting Jesus be Lord, letting him lead that family. It's upon the rock and no matter what storms come, no matter what troubles come, Jesus said it's going to stand if you'll listen to his word and obey. To hear his word and not do it is the foolish man. And that's the one that's going to fall. But you know what? God can raise up fallen homes. Amen. He can restore broken marriages. And he can save anybody in this room tonight. I look at Lot and I could look at that and say, man, that's a sad story. And when I look at it and think about poor Lot, it is sad. But when I look at what God did, it brings joy to my heart. Because even Lot ended up in the New Testament, wrote down a righteous man. You know why? Because it bothered him. And that was enough. God saved him. Tonight, we're going to bow our heads. We're going to think about where we are. And we're going to say, Lord, if you helped Lot, could you help me? Maybe you're not saved tonight. You've never gotten to the place where you realize that you need to personally believe in Jesus enough to trust him. That because he died for you on the cross, because he shed his blood for you, and because he said, whoever shall come can come. And he said, by faith and trust in me, by repenting, confessing your sin, you can be saved. You could be saved tonight. Some of us are saved, but we haven't followed Jesus. Lord, help us tonight to be better followers of the Lord, to hear his voice, to let him be our shepherd. And Lord, for all of us, no matter where we are, help us to learn from our mistakes, to use godly wisdom, and to take the opportunities that you afford us, the great blessings, and use them for good and not waste them. Lord, you tell us in your word to be not deceived. God is not mocked. That whatever a man soweth, he shall reap. Help us to sow to the Spirit and not to the flesh. So Lord, tonight as I pray, help that person who's seeking you for salvation to come tonight. If he's calling, Lord, I pray you'll touch his heart. And help of those of us who are saved to be true followers. Forgive us where we have failed you. And help us in the morning to get up. To deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow you, Jesus. That's what you've called us to do, to be disciples. So Lord, help us to do that and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name.